Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. Welcome. Uh, today, uh, the Joint Effort, sponsored by DMOS, has a very uh, young and talented spine surgeon, Dr. Zach Reese. Welcome, Zach. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, uh, you're an Iowa native. That's true, yeah. And from Dubuque, Iowa. From Dubuque, yeah. And uh, you cut your teeth on the golf course uh, back in the day. and That's right. Yeah. And uh, didn't you play quite a bit of high school golf? A lot of high school golf, yeah. Okay. We had a pretty good team back then. Um, got second state my senior year, but couldn't quite get it done. Were you the enough. top guy on the team? For the most part, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. I played with you a few times, and right away you can kind of tell the difference between someone who picked it up later in life and someone who's been doing it as long yeah. as you have. And I think you took a little bit of my money. We don't play for much, but I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> beaten you or, or you know, taken a hole from you, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, um, so, so you also have another interesting hobby, and it seems to be common among Iowans, but mm-hmm. hunting. Yep, yep, grew up hunting. Um, it was a good compliment to golf. There are different parts of the year, so kept me busy and kept me out of trouble. Yeah, so the, you know, the current climate we live in with this COVID-19 crisis, you probably couldn't pick two better, more socially responsible hobbies. That's right, yeah. I mean, golf is about all we've done for the last eight weeks, including work. We haven't even worked until, when did you get up and running? Uh, last week, really, we're about going 50%. Um, there were some cases I had to do, you know, during the whole shutdown that were a little more urgent. So yeah. got those through, but now we're about 50% and starting to ramp back up again. So, yeah. so uh, you, you probably wish it was the fall season. So you could, I do. Uh, yeah. I've been hunting a lot more, but hunting a little bit more. My, my golf game's gotten a little better during this time. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. Are you a guy that likes to grind on the range? You I, just, yeah. You do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You'd almost rather do that than play around. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you tweak things and you kind of know what to do. That's probably my downfall is I'm always tweaking stuff. <laughs> You're a perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. So from an, a novice golfer like myself, one thing I always want to know from guys who are really good is, like, when I'm over the ball, I have 15 bad thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. So what, do you think about one thing every time you yeah. play the ball? I try to one or two. Yeah, if you get too many, it just it complicates. Is there a common thread, or does it depend upon the shot? Like you're not saying the same thing to yourself every time. No, it very like a full swing will pretty much be the same thought. You know, a chip or a, a wedge shot will be a different thought. A putt will be a different thought. And I'm so. guessing these are like good thoughts. Well, <laughs> sometimes one day they will be, the next day they won't be. So. You're not thinking this wind's <laughs> 20 miles an hour. It's pushing me to the right. No, the pond's right there. No, okay. no, no. That's yeah. what goes through my head. It's yeah. like a self fulfilling prophecy right yeah don't hit it in the pond and it goes in the pond (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly yeah so here's an interesting question for you so if you have four hours of your life to spend Mm -hmm. either hunting or golfing what are you going to do hunting all day yeah really yeah just goodbye to being a scratch golfer don't care that's right what if you don't even get anything oh that's all right experience is all that matters Really? Yeah. I mean, it is nice to get something, but it's just nice to be out and watch wild, or the wildlife. So are you out there by yourself when you go hunting most of the time? Or are you going? Yeah, my favorite is bow hunting. Okay. Um, that's more of a lonely type thing. Um, you're kind of, you know, out there by yourself. I'll go with my dad or some buddies, but we go to different parts of the farm and, and set up at different areas. Yeah. There are some types of hunting where it's more social, um, but my favorite is the bow hunting bow hunting's late fall and then yeah seasons yeah. a little after that yeah the best part of bow hunting is november okay here yeah and is your favorite to hunt for big bucks in iowa or what's yeah your favorite to oh yeah in? here whitetails in iowa we're in the mecca of uh, deer hunting 
everyone across the country who, who hunts whitetails wants to come to Iowa. So interesting you say that. I was on the East Coast visiting my my uh, wife's family, and we're at her class reunion, and a guy comes up, and he's like, I hear you're from Iowa. He's like, can you get me a, like, I think you wanted even a doe tag yeah. or something. He <laughs> yeah. said, I don't even hunt. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> I had, yeah. honestly didn't really realize yeah. that yeah. we had that elite of yeah. you know, bucks. Is that because the farmland, the food source? Yeah, it's just there's food everywhere for okay. them. Um, the Iowa DNR does a good job of kind of limiting, you know, who can get in here and hunt. So our, our deer have a, a, a better chance of getting to a mature age where they can right. really grow and show their potential. Gotcha. So, yeah. And so I also understand last year you went out to New Mexico. I did, yeah. What are you looking for in New Mexico that you can't find here? Elk. Elk, elk okay. yeah, yeah. We do not have elk in Iowa. Um, so New Mexico, I took my bow out there and, and had a good time. Oh, you were bow hunting for elk? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it yeah. wasn't a longer range thing. It was still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was close. But yeah. bigger game. Oh, right? huge, yeah, yeah. Did you and get an elk? I did, yeah, yeah. Um, a small, smaller one is the last day. So it was a baby. It was. <laughs> yeah. So didn't you, you bring the meat home? Oh yeah. Venison. Or, yeah. I think it's better elk. eaten than whitetail actually. Okay. But it's funny the guys in New Mexico think they that white-tail. they think whitetail is yeah. a lot better than elk. So. You ever make jerky out of? This oh yeah. Stuff? yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of the best. I got freezers full of it right Do now. You really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Well, what we want to talk about today, and it's interesting, you know, because watching you as a golfer, your, your posture is great, and they, the golfers talk a lot about spine angles mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So um, the spine is important in anything we do, mm-hmm. but it's also can be kind of our down, it, it can cripple us. It can, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so you, I understand, did a fellowship in spine surgery, mm-hmm. and it was in Louisville? Yeah, Louisville, Kentucky, yeah. Okay. And uh, one thing I noticed when you came, uh, it's, it's only been about two years ago mm-hmm. now, but you kind of came in, hit the ground running. I did, um, yeah. You yeah. seemed like you had a lot of confidence, um, very skilled, and you also took over for a fairly mature practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that impressed a lot of guys around here. Uh, was there something in fellowship or residency that was the, the driving force between behind you having that confidence right off the bat? Because some people come in and they're not confident right away. They're yeah. asking a lot of questions. They're hesitant. And mm-hmm. you seem to kind of have an understanding of here's where we're going to go with things. Yeah, it was definitely fellowship. Uh, I went to a great fellowship in Louisville. It's a combined neurosurgery and orthopedic spine fellowship. So we worked with four neurosurgeons daily and eight orthospine guys daily. And it was just crazy busy. And you either sink or swim there. Um, you know, they give you the hand over the knife right away and really, yeah. And you either, you either, uh, do well, or you're going to not get much out of the fellowship. So, so you got the neurosurgeon's perspective of things, yeah, which is fairly unique, I guess for a it is. ortho fellowship. Yeah. There's not many spine programs left that combine both ortho and neuro. I think in general, it's going back that it's trending back that way where they're just starting to do a spine, you know, in residency or whatever. Um, where kind of ortho and neuro, ortho spine and neuro work together. Sure. Um, but that hadn't been very common up until now. Right. Yeah. Now that's a huge advantage. It imagine. is absolutely. Yeah. Um, in regards to neck pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're gonna we're gonna skip the back. We know back is debilitating as well. But neck pain is of interest today. Um, what are some potential causes of neck pain? That people can have yeah a lot of causes uh, mostly would be um, soft tissue muscle okay. tendons ligaments things like that stuff typically gets better on its own um, arthritis would be the next most common um, and then um, you know disc issues so you know a disc herniation can press on a nerve and give you neck pain arm pain things yeah. like that 
You know, I, you hear the term disc. What what does that mean to the average person? So, like, uh, there's seven cervical vertebrae, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. And then, can you describe what does the disc do? Yeah. So basically, it's like a shock absor- absorber. Yeah. And it also allows some motion as well. So. Whereas the bone is obviously hard and you're not going to get any motion through the bone, the, the disc is in between the bones and allows for a little bit of motion. Okay. So the neck, obviously, there's a lot of motion going on in the neck, side to side, up and down. Um, and similar with the low, the lumbar spine, the low back. Um, and because of that, that's where most issues arise. You know, most people that come to my clinic either have neck issues or low back issues. The uh, upper spine, the thoracic spine is typically spared um because there's not much motion there because the ribs come around and attach in the front okay so, mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense so i guess why why is a disc herniation hurt you know why does that bother people uh it can be pain from the herniated disc itself so when there's a herniated disc you know the the outer covering can tear and that okay. can be painful okay. um but more commonly that disc material herniates out towards the nerves going to either the arm or the leg presses on the nerves, you get a lot of inflammation that irritates the nerves, and that will give you a shooting arm pain or shooting leg pain. Okay. Yeah. So if if I'm a someone who has neck pain for, you know, a week, mm-hmm. do I need to come see you right no. away? No. Um, so thankfully, most neck pain, most low back pain will get better on its own. Okay. Um, you know, there's always a couple of red flags where you'd want to come see a, a spine specialist right away. What would be something where, hey, you, you need to see me? Uh, uncontrolled pain, so can't sleep, can't function, can't work. Um, you know, should probably get that looked at. You typically, that when I say uncontrolled pain, it's going to be shooting arm pain, shooting leg pain. Weakness is another one. Um, so, weakness where? So typically the extremities. So if you're having neck pain and it's associated with arm weakness, you're having trouble, you know, flexing your bicep, you're lifting things, you're dropping things. That should be looked at. That can be a sign that some nerve or, or the spinal cord is being compressed. Um, and so it's better to find that out right away. But if you just have localized pain in the, in the back of the neck or low back off to one side, um, you know, a lot of times people wake up, they say they slept, you know, they slept wrong or slept on the wrong side of the pillow or what have you. Um, that can flare, you know, a muscle or a, a ligament in the neck. And typically that it's going to get better in, in six weeks or so. So what can I do? Do I just sit around and wait? Is that pretty much it? Or is there some things uh, I can try? Yeah. So we just say, you know, anti-inflammatories, ibuprofen, things like that. Ice, heat. Some people like ice. Some people like heat. It's kind of a personal preference. Massage, physical therapy, chiropractor, all that stuff can help. Okay. Yeah. And if I, if I have neck pain that... Um, I'm golfing and I get this shooting pain down my arm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it doesn't go away at six weeks. I've tried those things. Um, you know, where, where is it? Where do I go from there? Do I talk to my primary care doc or how do I, you know, when do I need to see a guy like you and what workup usually needs to be done prior to doing that? Yeah, typically, uh, you know, patients will be referred by their primary care provider um, and they, they usually know those, those symptoms that would warrant an MRI, which is where you typically start. Um, but yeah, so the shooting arm pain, the shooting leg pain, you have an MRI, it, it shows a herniated disc, you know, that's either, there's either two ways you can go there. You can go to a, a pain specialist and, you know, start with non-operative things like injections. Um, or sometimes they come to me first and, you know, I'll go over the MRI with them. Yeah. Assuming there's nothing, you know, urgent or pressing, um, you know, such as spinal cord damage, which we'll talk about later, it sounds like, um, 
you know, typically we're going to have those patients get an injection, uh, usually that's steroid. So in the cervical spine, where can those injections go? Uh, epidural injection. Okay. So, yeah, so kind of like in the low back, they'll do an epidural injection. Um, and that's steroid over the area where the, the problem is, or the disc herniation is. And the purpose of that steroid is to, you know, help that inflammation, help control the inflammation that's, that's irritating that nerve going to the arm that's firing that shooting pain down the arm. Is it possible I get one of those and then I'm, I'm good? Oh, absolutely. And really? I would say that's more common. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the good news is, is most acute disc herniations or something that happens suddenly, whether you're lifting weights or swinging a golf club, typically those can get better on their own. Okay. Um, which is good news for a lot of people. Now, you know, the, the steroid injection, it's not going to make that disc herniation go away but it will make life tolerable for that patient until your body has time to, to kind of get rid of that disc herniation. Body, will it resorb part of the disc? Typically you can resorb it, yeah. Now that can take a year or more, um, but if you were to get an MRI a year after you herniated your disc golfing, right. chances are that disc herniation is probably going to be a lot smaller. Okay, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And can you have multiple injections? Or is that oh, yeah, involved? yeah, it is. You can have multiple injections. So you yeah. get a year's relief and you need it again. You can Absolutely. I'd say the average length is probably about three months. If it's going to work, you okay. can expect probably three months. Now, some people get six months. Some people get a year. Some people only need one, and they never need another one again. Now, if I have um, weakness in my biceps and, and pain that shoots down my arm, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get better with these things, uh, then I need a guy like you, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's the nerves being compressed and you know the spinal cord looks fine, um, your quality of life is shot. You can't work. You can't sleep. Yeah. Then then that's time to see me. Yeah. And what are we discussing? What are the what are the possible surgical options to make me better? Yeah, typically it's going to be what's called an anterior cervical decompression fusion. Okay. Um, where we're going through the front of the neck here, um, get all the important stuff out of the way and uh, take out that herniated disc. Um, now, over the last few years, there's been some new developments with that, that procedure where now they can do an artificial disc replacement, and that's been a really good option. Um, and I've had a lot of success with that uh, on the patients that I put those in. Is that uh, gaining momentum? A lot of momentum, yeah. People come into clinics specifically asking for that now. They do? Yeah. What would make someone a candidate versus not a – what would make someone a candidate for the disc replacement versus an ACDF? Yeah. You say, no, you should just do the fusion. Yeah. What's the difference it's, there? It's typically the amount of arthritis we see on the X-ray. Okay. If you have a lot of arthritis, you know, that motion that that disc replacement is still going to give you could still give you some neck pain because okay. um, you still have a lot of bone spurs and things like that. Yeah. Um, the, the nice thing about the disc replacement is there's some downstream effects to a fusion, right? You take away that motion at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other levels, they have to pick up that extra stress. It's like taking a tire off an 18-wheeler, the other 17 pick up the extra load, they wear so out faster. you can faster. above or below. Exactly, or wear out the level above okay. and below. So, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, we're doing the next level because you wore that one out. Is your... Um incision and approach the same for a disc replacement as it is, it is. for an yep. ACDF? It's the exact same surgery. Um, it, the only difference is the implant we're putting in. Okay. Yeah. What's more technically difficult? Um, well, the ACDF, the fusion, yeah. you have to put a plate over top of it and screws in. So there's a little more hardware that goes into that. Um, there's a little more finesse with the, the disc replacement because you want to get it perfectly centered in there because there is motion. You want to, you know, balance everything out. So there's a little bit more um, fluoro or x-ray used in the operating room with the disc replacement to try to get that implant position just how you want it. Okay. 
And if I, if I have a disc replacement, can I go back to playing sports and that live oh, yeah. lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, in fact, there's some golfers on, on the PGA Tour right now who have had um, disc replacements that are going really? well with them, yeah. Their driving distance go down at all? You know, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> if it did, they probably blame that on age and not yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can essentially get back to the function you were at, yeah. assuming no permanent yeah. neurological issues. Yeah, and the nice thing about it too is is the recovery is half. And you know, I tell patients I have restrictions on them for six weeks with the disc replacement, whereas with a fusion, you know, it's three months. So after surgery, you know, let's talk about that. Are are they leaving in a neck brace? Are for, they, a, for for a, for a disc replacement? No, uh-uh, no not. neck brace. I'll, sometimes if they're having some pain in the neck after sur- surgical pain, mm-hmm. we'll just put them in a soft collar. But yeah. And when do these patients go home? Are we talking five days in the hospital? No, that's the next day. Some patients go home the same day. So you can do same day surgery. Oh, yeah. In either a disc replacement or a fusion yeah. scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many levels? So if you need a fusion, you have mm-hmm. arthritis. Can you fuse two levels, three levels? Yeah, I mean, we do four. You do? Yeah, if we need to. Yeah. So four is possible through the same small incision? Yeah, we, we have to, if it's you know looking like it's going to be tough to get all of them, we'll have to make a, a longitudinal incision, whereas okay. normally we like to hide the incision in a crease in the neck. But if we're doing four levels, you know, there's sometimes where we have to make a, a bigger incision that we can't hide as well. Understood. Um, yeah, other options is go in the back of the neck, but that's a lot more painful. Okay. for patients. Are there any significant complications that you worry about from doing this type of surgery you tell patients about ahead of time that, hey, yeah. these are, you know, I mean, you're going in an area where there are nerves and mm-hmm. you have your esophagus. And yeah. No, the, the biggest uh, risk I tell patients about is, is dysphagia or, or pain swallowing after surgery. It's just because we have to move everything out of the way to get down yeah. the spine, and it's related to retraction time. So if we do a four-level, you know, that's a lot more surgery, a lot more time. We're retracting everything out of the way. The risk of that's going to be a little higher. So you tell the moms to expect that? that yeah, there, yeah. I'm going to say you're, you ha- you're going to have pain swallowing after surgery. Typically, that okay. gets better in a couple weeks. And then when can I swing a golf club again if I have a fusion? If you have a fusion, yeah. I'd say three months. Three months? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I play contact sports again? You can. There are guys that do that, yes. Probably not. Yeah. I I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) You hold your breath on that. I do, yeah. (laughs) I say I'm not going to tell you not to, but I wouldn't recommend it, yeah. So, you know, the last thing is you you talked about things that are reversible, right? Mm -hmm. What if we're getting to a situation where how do you know when things aren't quite reversible uh, with the the, uh, spinal cord and... And are there treatment options for that? Like if I'm losing my balance? Right, yeah. Yeah, so what you're describing is myelopathy. Okay, Um, what does that mean? So that's a fancy way of saying basically the spinal cord is showing signs of damage. Okay. Typically that damage is going to be from compression. So whether the patient's got an arthritic neck, they've grown some bone spurs that are pressing on the spinal cord um, and damaging the spinal cord, a a big disc herniation can cause it too. You know, it's basically pressure on the spinal cord. So the signals are not making it from the brain down to the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. So that's why people get balance issues. They have trouble buttoning shirts, you know, using their fingers to write. Um, they just lack of coordination. Do these things slowly build up? Typically, yeah. Yeah, slowly build up. And a stepwise, we call it a stepwise decline. So they'll be cruising along, doing okay, and then all of a sudden they'll get worse. Okay. Then they'll stabilize, and they'll get worse again. More commonly, more elderly individuals? Typically older people with arthritis and bone spurs, although it can happen in younger patients who have a, a big disc herniation that presses on the spinal cord too. And is that something that uh, surgically you can halt progression or can you reverse progression? Of yeah, so. So um, when you have myelopathy or spinal cord damage, we recommend surgery. No okay. injections at that point um, okay. because the quicker you can get, take the pressure off the spinal cord, the better the results will be. 
Um, what we tell patients is this should reliably halt progression of that of the myelopathic symptoms. Now, a lot of people get stuff back, right? So they'll get, you know, their pain in their arms will get better. Their balance issues will typically get better. Weakness typically gets better. It may not get 100% better, but it usually improves. And, you know, we think the sooner we get to that, the sooner we free the spinal cord up, the better chance of recovery you'll have. And that technique is typically from the back, or do you do that from the it front It varies. Well? We try to do it from the front oh, if we do? can, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but, you know, there's different patient characteristics, you know, anatomy stuff that yeah. may force us to go in from I the sure back. I remember some French door technique back in the day. Is there <laughs> yeah. some French door There technique? is, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's actually a motion-sparing technique as well, but that yeah. that's going in from the back okay. as well, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, the French door. Do you do a bunch of myelopathy? Is that a common thing to operate oh, on? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's probably as common as what, what the other thing that we were talking about is radiculopathy. So that's the shooting arm pain without the spinal cord damage. I'd say it's in my practice probably 50-50. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. I, I figured you were doing more, you know, radiculopathy herniation. Oh, yeah, it's about 50-50. So there's, there's a decent amount of myelopathy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's probably fairly critical for people to understand what they're dealing with absolutely yeah they start to lose strength or, yep. or, or balance that's something to tell yep absolutely yeah about. and that should come straight to a spine surgeon okay fantastic yeah. well thank you so much for coming on today this absolutely. is absolutely this is uh, great information for our audience and uh I still can't believe you'd rather hunt over golf, but uh, <laughs> maybe you just haven't found the right people to golf. Yeah, like right. Maybe in one of them, maybe you're still looking. Maybe for the if right I start people. playing better, that'll that'll change. <laughs> well, you need to let go a little bit. You yeah. know, it's okay to shoot 73. <laughs> yeah, right. Around, you know? so, thanks again, Zach. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Much. Good to be here.